just because someone says something doesn't make it true. So how do you know what to believe? People can say all kinds of things. It all depends on how strong the evidence is. Are you ready to examine what you believe? Let's take a look on today's episode of Possible or Reasonable. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Possible or Reasonable. I'm Jesse Fernandez, and as you guys um, heard, um, I finally posted an introduction, an uh, intro music to the podcast, um, to these episodes. And the person who's actually talking in the beginning is my brother. Um, he's my older, he's my oldest brother, and his name is Luis. And I'm just very thankful that he was willing to do this for me, and I think he did a great job. And so um, I hope you guys like the intro because I. I really love it. So today I wanted to share with you guys something that I think is important to think about and really to just give thought to. I wanted to share and ask a question. But before I get into all of that, I wanted to share that the topics and the content that I'm sharing in these episodes are really things that I learned from. I learned all this from a man named Jay Warner Wallace. He has a website called coldcasechristianity.com and he, has, he also has an app called Cold Case Christianity. If you want to learn more and receive more more strong content, I, sh- I strongly recommend you check that out. Now, when it comes to the question that I want to ask you guys, I know that as I ask this question, not everyone who hears it might have the same response because they might not associate in being a Christian. And so the question is, why are you a Christian? Now, some people, when they hear that question, they might think and ask themselves, You know, do I really need to know why Christianity is true? Like, I know this podcast is about examining the evidence and and, um, finding out and and seeing the good reasons uh, to believe that Christianity is true. I get that. But do I really need to know why it's true? And my answer to that is yes, because I think it's important. You know, if I was to ask you the question, why are you a Christian? Chances are... The answers that you give me will probably be worded differently, but they will most likely fall into one of these three categories. The most three common responses that a Christian will give in in, in responding to why are they a Christian. The first reason a person will will give in saying why they're a Christian is, I was raised up like this. You know, this is all I've ever known. I'm a Christian because uh, I was raised up in the church and... My family's gone ever since I was a little kid, and and I'm a Christian because that's 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 how I was raised up. That's a good answer. The second most common response is, I had a God experience, right? I had an experience that led me to believe that Christianity is true. Whether it was an answered prayer, whatever it is, they had an experience that led them to believe that Christianity is true. That's a good answer, right? The third most common response is more of a transformational answer. You know, I used to be a jerk and now I'm not a jerk anymore. You know, Jesus changed my life. He transformed me. He did a work that only he can do. That's a good answer. Those three responses are all good answers. Now, if I was to ask, you know, a a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness, or any other person 
in any other religious group, why are they, uh, you know, fill in the blank, a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness or uh, a Buddhist, whatever it is, I shouldn't be surprised if they give me those same three answers. What do I mean by that? So, for example, if I asked a Mormon, a Latter-day Saint, if I asked him, hey, you know, why, why are you a Mormon? I shouldn't be surprised if they said, well, I was raised up like this. I grew up going to church. My families are all Mormons. This is all I've ever known. Oh, interesting. Um, why are you a Mormon? Well, it's, 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 I had a God experience. You know, I had an experience that led me to believe that Mormonism is true. Whether, you know, I had an answered prayer and now I believe that Mormonism is true and Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. Huh. Hey, why are you a Mormon? Well, you know, Jesus changed my life. I'm not a jerk anymore. Jesus transformed me and he did what only he could do. Now that's interesting. For those who might not be familiar with what the Mormon religion is, I'll just share a little so you can see the differences between Christianity and and Mormonism. Now, Mormonism is a religion that was founded by a man named Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith, he claimed to receive, to have received a personal visit from God the Father and Jesus. And they told him that all churches and their creeds and their teachings were, were a disgrace. Well, Joseph Smith would then make it his mission to restore what he thought was corrupt. And he claimed that his church was to be the only true church on the earth. Now, the problem with Mormonism is that it contradicts and it makes changes on the Bible. For example, Mormons, also known as Latter-day Saints, believe the following about God. They believe that God has not always been the supreme being of the universe, but he he, you know, um he accomplished that and he earned that title and that status. You know, he wasn't always the the source of authority. He wasn't always the supreme being, but he had to earn that and eventually he did. And they also believe, Mormons, they believe that God the Father is actually physical. That he actually has a body of flesh and bones. But when you read the scripture, you're going to find out that it says that God is spirit. And those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so, um, you're going to see that those differences, those are very different from what Christians believe and from what Christians teach. Now, I'm not just saying all this just to say it. You know, I think if we took an evidential approach towards Mormonism, for example, we would find out that there's no wealth of good and solid evidence um, to support it. For example, there's no archaeological record. There's no verifiable information on the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon is supposedly uh, an, an ancient text rooted in the history of the American continent. You know, like the Bible, the Book of Mormon, it claims to be the true history of a huge population. Now, if that was true, I think it would make sense for people to find archaeological evidence of this culture, of this, you know, um, people group. Now, archaeologists have been able to verify the locations and many of the details uh, of the Bible over the years. But that can't be said for the Book of Mormon. So... Taking an evidential approach towards Mormonism, we see that it's not supported by the evidence. Now, as a Christian, I don't believe that Mormonism is true. For those who are listening um, on this episode, 
for those who are listening and 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 you are Christians, you would agree in that you don't believe that Mormonism is true either. But why do our answers and our response and our responses sound the same as theirs? You know, if someone was to ask you, "Why are you a Christian?" and you give one of those three responses, the one I just shared about earlier, you know, um, I was raised this way, or I had a God experience, or Jesus transformed my life. If we were to give one of those three responses, well, think about it. Those are the same three responses that any other religion can give, that any other religious group can give. So why do our response, why do our responses sound so similar? You know, if a, if a, if a Mormon, if a Latter-day Saint was to give an answer like that to you, saying like, oh, I'm a Mormon because I was raised this way, you would probably, you probably wouldn't accept it, right? You probably wouldn't accept it as a convincing response. So why do we think that if we give an answer like that, an answer so similar, that, that it would be, that we would think it, it would, it, it would be so compelling and credible? Because from what it sounds like, it sounds like I've got a testimony and, and they've got a testimony. You know, is it just based on our testimony and which one is stronger and cooler? Because if that's the case, you know, I don't have like a strong and cool radical testimony. Um, at the end of the day, I'm a Christian because it's true. And I, 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 and I want to follow truth. You know, I, I, I love truth and I want to follow truth. Um, and so at the end of the day, we want to answer the question, how do we know which one is true? Remember, I know last week I talked about, you know, us as Christians, we have a duty. You know, in 1 Peter 3.15, it tells us to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts, you know, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks us a reason for the hope that's in us. But remember to do it with gentleness and with, and with respect. You know, basically, we have to give a reason for the hope that's in us. Now, if you read the book of Acts and you and you look through the pages of the book of Acts, you're going to see that the apostles, Jesus' disciples, when they would share the gospel, when they would share um, with others about Jesus, they would testify to the resurrected Jesus. Basically, they were eyewitnesses. They saw Jesus with their own eyes. And so when they would share the good news, they would always testify to the risen Jesus, the fact that, hey, we were there. We were eyewitnesses. Remember, eyewitness testimony falls into the category of direct evidence. So basically, when the apostles were sharing the truth with other people, they did it with an evidential approach. They used evidence. They were saying, look, we were there, right? We were there and we saw this and we, and we, and we, and we touched this and we heard this. We, we were there to witness this. You know, Peter, Peter did it by talking about what he saw as an eyewitness. That's how Peter would proclaim truth. And that's how the apostles did it as well. They testified to the, to the risen Jesus. I think this is our duty as Christians to be able to give a reason for the hope that's in us. The apostles did it by testifying to the risen Jesus. And I think that we can do that as well. You know, we can testify to the risen Jesus. We can also give those good reasons and the evidence to, to, to believe that this is true. Now, you know, instead of saying, you know, oh, I'm a Christian because I was raised this way or I'm a Christian because um, I'm, not, I'm not a jerk anymore. Instead of saying that, we can actually say something like along the lines of, you know, there is this event in history, 
you know, called the resurrection. And I have good reasons to believe that's true on the basis of eyewitness testimony. And so we can we can give those answers, we can give the reasons, and we can give the um the different evidences to support Christianity. You know, and I always come back, I always come back to the resurrection of Jesus. Because if that didn't happen, you know, I mean, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, then our faith is empty. And and as Christians, we're above all people to be pitied, right? If we only have hope in this life, but not in the life to come, then we're, we've deceived ourselves, right? We're, you know, the biggest hypocrites in all human history. But Paul goes on to say that, you know, no, Christ is risen from the dead. Jesus did rise from the dead. That's what Paul would proclaim, and he would say that later um, later on in his letter to the church of Corinth. Um, and so that's why I think we're blessed as Christians. You know, I think we're blessed as Christians that we don't believe in something that's not rooted in history. We believe in something that had to actually occur. You know, I think there are four facts, four facts that are very strong, very solid, very powerful, that scholars, you know, whether they're Christians or atheists, Anyone who studies the historical Jesus will say is actually true about the historical Jesus. The first fact is that Jesus died by crucifixion, and that and that's historically accurate. Did you know that we actually have the crucified remains of a man named Yehohanan, who was crucified with nails around the time that Jesus lived, showing that the biblical account with crucifixion and nails is correct? You know, we actually have the remains of, of this man who lived long ago, and we have these remains to this day. So, the first fact is that Jesus died by crucifixion. You know, Gerd Ludeman, who's, an, who's a historian, he says this. He says that Jesus' death as a consequence of crucifixion is indisputable. In other words, it can't be denied. Now, there are very few facts in ancient history that a critical historian like Gerrit Ludeman will say is indisputable. One of them is the execution, the crucifixion of Jesus. So the first strong fact is that Jesus died by crucifixion. The second strong fact to support um, for the Christian faith is that the, uh, the, appearance, the appearance of Jesus to his disciples... You know, there's skeptical non-Christian historians. They will admit to this. They will say that the disciples saw something that convinced them that they saw the resurrected Jesus. Not the surviving Jesus, not the, you know, the Jesus who escaped, but the resurrected Jesus himself. The, the, the disciples were convinced that they saw something. They, were, they saw something that convinced them um, that they saw Jesus, the risen Jesus. And so the first fact is that Jesus died by crucifixion. The second strong fact is the appearance of Jesus to his disciples. They saw something that convinced them the, that they saw the risen Jesus. The third strong fact is you have the skeptics, Paul and James converted. If you read the, um, the gospel accounts, you're going to see that Jesus' brother, James, he was a skeptic. He didn't always believe in Jesus. And then Paul... Well, Paul, he was an enemy of the Christian faith. You know, Paul was 
putting people in prison. He was putting Christians in prison. He was persecuting the church. He wanted the church to stop growing. But then you see Paul, Paul would eventually switch from being an enemy of the Christian faith and he switches and claims to be a champion of the Christian faith based on the claim I saw him. Now, Paul, like I said, Paul wasn't always in. He was an enemy. He was persecuting Christians. He was putting them in prison, dragging men and and women and putting them in prison. But now we see that Paul switches and claims to be a champion of the Christian faith. You know, the best kind of eyewitness testimony is when you have someone who thought you were so wrong and now thinks you're right. And it costs them something. You know, and they're not just making this stuff up because they want to. You know, that's exactly what you have in Paul. You know, if you read the scripture, you're going to see that Paul's going to suffer. He's going to suffer greatly. And, and we see that Paul... He's going to suffer in the hands of, of, the, of, of, uh, of his brethren, the Jews. He's going to suffer in the hands of other people. But, but the thing that really is strong and, and convincing is that Paul was, you know, he's, he was an enemy. And then he switches and claims to be a follower of Jesus. Now, if, if he didn't see Jesus, you know, if he didn't really see the risen Jesus, then he would know that he's lying. Why would you die for something if you knew it was a lie? That gets you nowhere. And so that's why I think that's another strong fact that Paul, he switched, he was an enemy of the Christian faith and he switches and claims to be a champion of the Christian faith based on the claim I saw him. If he didn't, he would know he's lying. So the first fact is Jesus died by crucifixion. That's historically accurate. Two, um, you have the appearance of Jesus to his disciples. The disciples saw something that convinced them that they saw the risen Jesus. Three, you have the skeptics, Paul and James converted to Christianity. And then you have four, the empty tomb. We know where the empty tomb was at. Um, We know that it belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. And now we see that it's empty. Now you have to account for that. You have to account for the empty tomb. And then also you have to account for all these claims. All these people who say that they saw the risen Jesus. People who knew that Jesus died. And now they're convinced that he rose from the and now that now they're convinced that he rose from the grave. You have to account for all that, and so that's why I think that's another strong fact. You have the crucifixion, you have the appearance of Jesus to his disciples, you have the skeptics Paul and James converted, and you have the empty tomb. The empty tomb is based on evidence, and so I think there's a good reason to be a Christian. I'm a Christian because it's true, and honestly. If I'm being honest, that's good enough for me. You know, that's good for me. Even if I don't live a happy and painless life, if all I have is suffering from this point forward, it's still true. Christianity, it's still true. If all I have is hardships and struggles from this point forward, Christianity is still true. You know, those from other religious groups who say that they've been transformed, or they say that if they've had, um, they were raised this way, or, or whatever reasons they might give, and and they seem to be happy, and they might live more easier lives. That's you know that's what they're you know saying, but it's not in a true system. You know the fact that I benefit from gravity doesn't mean that it's true. Just as my dislike for snakes isn't an argument against their existence. 
What I want and don't want has no impact on truth. But I think that truth reminds us of what's really important. And so if you were to ask me, Jesse, why are you a Christian? Well, I'll just tell you straight out. I'm a Christian because it's true. I'm not a Christian because I hope to receive a benefit or hope to receive, you know, these blessings left and right. Because if if I'm in it for that reason, then I've got it all wrong. Because as a Christian, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer a lot. And if it comes back to living this out, it's going to be very hard. You know, at times, this is a very hard way to live. But it's the right way to live. Wouldn't you rather live for a hard truth than for an easy lie? I, I'd rather live for the hard truth. Even if it's the hardest thing to do and, and to endure. At the end of the day, it's still true. And I want to be open to following the truth wherever it leads. And so I'm a Christian because it's true. And so I ask you again, why are you a Christian? I hope that this episode really, um, you know, opened your mind to seeing things differently and, you know, really thinking about why you're Christian and why Christianity is true. And so, because if someone was to ask you, you know, why are you a Christian? You'd be able to give that reason for the hope that's in you with gentleness and respect, with love, but do it in a way that's going to, you know, glorify God and also, you know, share truth and the good reasons why this is true and why it matters to us. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Possible Reasonable. Until then, God bless you guys and have a great week.